Thanks for coming. Are we on now? Okay. Well, welcome to Fit to be Tied. Uh, this is actually week one of ten weeks. Um, I want to thank you for making this this investment, and it is it's that. It's an investment of time and money. And I'll, I'll, sh I'll read some things to you a little bit later about how significant it is that you guys are here. A lot of guys, a lot of folks choose not to do anything like this. So you're the few, the proud. You really are. But before we launch into this, why don't I offer the time up to the Lord in prayer? So let's pray. Uh, God, you're good all the time, and you have a sovereign plan for us. Now, every couple here is uh, moving in a direction. They want to get to know each other better. They want to honor you together and as individuals. And God, uh, this 10-week uh, Fit to be Tied seminar is intense at times. We ask for your Holy Spirit's help as each person in this couple tries to uh, reach for you, get to know you better, and get to know each other better. God, get glory. I pray for all the speakers, all of the teachers, the panelists. pray you'd be with us, that we'd share our lives and our stories honestly, and that we'd be encouraging and at the same time inspiring and challenging. And God, we praise you for the privilege of being here. Uh, this is a wonderful time, and uh, it's, it's a privilege to be a part of this together. So we ask for your, your spirit's help with us even today as we begin this out. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, there have been hundreds of couples that have gone through Fit to be Tied. Uh, Sue and I went through kind of a, uh, what would we call it? We, we went through Fit to be Tied, but it was with a, a, a group of all premarrieds with Pastor Doug Patterson, and uh, a couple of us became pastors. And uh, so I don't know if that was an underground Fit to be Tied, but it's been going on since about 1991. Um, some of you are seriously dating. Some of you are engaged. Some of you are already married, and, but you've been married for less than five years. So you're here because you've never been through any kind of pre-marriage training at all, and our hope is to encourage all of you, to help all of you. Now, most of you will marry, but some of you will not. And either way, God can get glory, and our desire is to help you. Just honor God along your journey. Uh, this is a 10-week class. Each class is uh, an hour and a half long, and we expect that you'll have about an hour and a half of homework from each class as well. It'll vary. Uh, the first couple of weeks, you'll have a little bit more. The last couple of weeks, a little bit less. But that means a total of about 30 hours of kind of investment over the course of the next 10 weeks, two and a half months. And that's quite a bit. Um, originally, this, this name comes from a book by uh, Lynn and Bill Hybels called Fit to be Tied. I think it was written in 91. Um, we don't share anything with that book anymore. Okay, uh, that book was what this all kind of started on, but now all of the content is from all sorts of other sources, and it's kind of unrelated to that book, but we keep the name. The, the seminar costs $70.00. And that pays for some of the, the, the treats and some of the materials that you have. Um, you can get that uh, reimbursed to some degree because the cost for a marriage license fee in Minnesota is $110. Uh, 
and they'll reduce that fee to $40 if you go through 12 hours of premarital training like this, a minimum of 12 hours. So if you conclude this class, you're eligible for a marriage license fee reduction, and you only have to pay $40 for the license. Um, why don't we take a look at your book, and I'll quickly go through what we have coming up. So why don't you take a look at the table of contents, and I'll just read through each unit, and then I'll go through the pages that are part of the preface. This is unit one. This is foundations. Unit two is uh, communication and love languages, but because Sue and I are on vacation, we flip-flop that. So you're actually going to do unit three, expectations and baggage, with uh, Tara and Nathan next week. Then the following week, we'll do unit two, love languages. Then unit three is communication and conflict resolution. Unit uh, five is money. Six is sex and parenting. Seven is in-laws, leaving and cleaving. What does that look like? What does that mean? Gender roles, uh, men, women, what are our roles and, and how does it matter? Uh, then we have a panel discussion with a number of folks in different phases of life. That they'll share their stories, and there will be some uh, questions that we'll ask them, they'll answer. And then you can ask questions. So you'll have some index cards, and you can ask them, and then they'll answer. And then the last unit is an optional unit. It's called blended families. So any of you that have come out of blended families, or any of you that have been in a long-term live-in relationship, you've been married before and divorced, anything like that, I'd encourage you to come to that blended families unit because there are unique circumstances when you have kids or you were in a 10-year relationship or whatever it might be and now you're, you're marrying somebody a second time. So consider that. Unit 11 is just some uh, resources. Unit 12, why don't you go there real quickly. Uh, this is actually a wedding manual that Tara just recently revised. And I share it with you because it's so helpful. You can spend hundreds and thousands of dollars getting all sorts of wedding literature, web-based material. And honestly, this little wedding manual here can take care of you for nothing. So this, this tells you what to do six months in advance. I mean, you can take a look at page, let's see, where would that be? If you look at page three, six to 12 months before you get married, three to six months before you get married, two months before you get married, one month, two weeks, one week, and so on. License information. You can cross out that $100, although it's correct. It's generally 100 It's 110 in Minnesota on the bottom of page four. And it's $40 if you go through this course. Um, and all sorts of other good resources, info. You can, you can go any place you want. You can use anybody you want, go to any facility you want. But this is helpful. And uh, honestly, uh, I'd read through this before I spend money on, on books and magazines and all sorts of other things. So thanks, Tara, for updating that. Looks great. Okay, let's go back to the preface. And I want to start out by reading a letter. This letter is from all of the pastors. 
to all of you. And I don't think we've mailed this letter out. It just it's, it sits in here. Okay. Yeah, it's in the binder. It should be on page two, one or two, something like that. Okay. Well, welcome to uh, Fit to be Tied. We're excited to see couples willing to invest time and energy in pursuit of a successful marriage. We believe that your participation in this class will be both informative and enjoyable while providing a solid foundation for lasting marriage. At Evergreen, we're committed to helping you attain the fulfilling marriage that God intended in his plan, marriage is a serious commitment between husband, wife, and God. The marriage vow is one that's meant to last a lifetime, yet so few couples enter marriage with the tools necessary for this long-term relationship, and our desire is to equip you with these tools on your way toward a great marriage that glorifies God. As pastors at Evergreen, we take a personal interest in the couples we marry. Our concerns extend beyond simply performing the ceremony, this is not a one-day investment on our part. We're not just justices of, of the peace. Rather, we've got a responsibility before God to do everything in our power to ensure that the weddings we perform result in successful, lifelong, God-honoring marriages. Because of this accountability on our part, we reserve the freedom to only perform weddings for couples that we believe are living in according to God's word, the Bible. There are some marriages that are not in God's will, and it would be inappropriate to officiate those marriages. If you hope to have an evergreen pastor perform your wedding, please review the following questions. Is either of you not sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and have accepted him as your only Lord and Savior? Are you sexually active? Are you currently living together? Has either of you been previously married? If you answered yes to any of those questions, make it a point to sit down and discuss the situation with your local pastor or me or your mentor couple. And a yes does not mean we will refuse to perform your wedding, but it raises questions which will need to be addressed before we make that commitment as pastors. Now, once you've completed this 10-week seminar and have met with a mentor couple, if you desire to have an evergreen pastor perform your wedding, you'll find a list of pastor's phone numbers in section 12. That's the wedding manual. Unfortunately, due to the large number of weddings we were asked to perform in our weekend schedules, you may need to contact more than one pastor before you find one that's available. Thank you for giving us 10 weeks of your life we promise to do our best to serve and equip you as you prepare for your wedding and your future marriage. So, chew on that. And honestly, all of the pastors are available to talk to at all of the locations. If, if any of those four questions you're not sure about, talk to me. Um, I'm sure Nathan and Tara would love to talk to you or a location pastor. And we can talk about that some more. Regardless of what your circumstance is, that's, that's mostly for the issue of us officiating. You're welcome to continue with this class. Okay? Okay. Um, the next page has our schedule. And you can see I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Jeff and my wife is Sue. Mark and Brenda will be introducing themselves in a minute, but 
Mark is in yellow and Brenda's in brown. And Nathan and Tara, of course, you guys have been communicating with Tara quite a bit on the phone or, or email, and that's her husband, Nathan. And uh, we also have Nancy and Ken here. They're mentor couples. They'll introduce themselves in a few minutes. Um, we have a teaching schedule there. Uh, oftentimes we would take breaks for Easter or Thanksgiving or whatever. No breaks this time. So we've got 10 straight weeks. There's one particular Monday where we're hoping you ladies could meet with Sue and Tara at the Odegaard house. So it's a day, kind of a special day just for the ladies. And uh, if you could fit that into your schedule, that's Monday, April 26. Pencil that in. Next page is a premarital promise. This has something to do with boundaries and kind of a pursuit of purity. And this is something that your mentor couple will go over with you uh, when you meet with them. We got a fit to be died survey for each of you to fill out at the end of class. Then this letter page is a statement of premarital education. This is what you need to have filled out and I need to sign before a notary in order for you to be eligible for the marriage license fee reduction. So during week nine, you'll fill this out. Notice you have to give me your full legal name. This is the name that you'll show the, the legal folks when you get your marriage license. So you'll fill this out during week nine, and then I'll uh, take it with me to a notary public, and I'll sign it in front of her, and then I'll bring it back during week 10, and you'll have it. And if you can't make it for week 10, I can mail it to you. And then the next page is the uh, change of names and locations. The church doesn't just automatically know, ladies, that your name changed just because you had a wedding. So you have to tell us. If you're in our directory, Becky, you're in our directory as Becky Kramer member. You'll stay there for five years unless you tell us that you're not there anymore. And this is your way of letting us know that your name has changed and now where you guys live. So, so keep that in mind. And lastly, the, we have this uh, uh, sheet that just tells you what to do if you've missed a class. So take a look at that. All right, let's see. At this point, I'd like to introduce myself briefly and my wife, and then we'll have our teachers introduce themselves, and then we're going to have everybody do a brief introduction, kind of get to know each other. Um, so I'm Jeff. I've been a pastor for 11 years. This is my wife, Sue. We've been married for 17 and a half years. We were a small group, growth group leaders here at Evergreen. I got started at Evergreen in 87, and Sue came in 88. Uh, that was when we were basically a campus church. And uh, Brent and Mark were the founding pastors, and they weren't, they're in their late 20s. And uh, it was an exciting time. It was wonderful. So then I got my master's degree, and I was a geologist for 10 years. And then I was raised up as a pastor when Mark left Evergreen Bloomington and started The Rock. Um, so our three girls right now are Tess, she's 14, Casey, she's 13, and Sophia is 12. I wish we had more, but God gave us three daughters, and they're a delight. Love them very much. 
Um, so that's that's us. And uh, right now, I'm just going to ask the teachers to introduce themselves. They'll stay long enough to hear your stories a little bit, and then they'll probably head out and come back kind of as it shows up on the schedule. So, Ken and Nancy, you want to introduce yourselves? Uh-huh. <laughs> we sat in the middle, so we wouldn't go first. <laughs> that worked real well, didn't it? We're getting the Do I have to hand this? Okay. Oh, you want to be recorded? Sure, that's fine. All right. We're Ken and Nancy Fowler. We um, have been members here for just a year now. I've uh, been married for over 36 years, mm-hmm. and we've been involved in marriage ministries for about three decades. So we are uh, been around the block. I will tell you that we were going through divorce when we met, and uh, so we've uh, seen that as not something that we ever want to see any of you not not only don't we want to see you do it, we don't want to see you even putting that into your vocabulary. Um, mm-hmm. So that is really our heart, and uh, our heart is to do everything we can so that we can help you, that you have a really great marriage, not just a good one. All right? Yeah. The only thing I want to say to you, all of you is to encourage you in this journey. Because it is a journey. A marriage is just a day. A a wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. And anything that any of us can do to help you in any way, we want to be available to you. Hello, I'm Mark Leonard. This is Brenda Leonard. We've been uh, members of Evergreen for uh, 12 years. We've been married coming up on 10 years. Uh, we actually dated for seven years to f- try to figure out this marriage thing and get everything figured out. Well, we never did get it figured out, but we got married anyway. So um, We took this class 11 years ago, and we had 10 couples in the class. And back then, it's funny thing, Jeff was saying that not all of you will, will get married. In that class, we had 10 couples. Seven of the couples did not get married. And uh, back then, that was kind of common. And lately, I don't know what the percentages are now, but uh, um, it's not a bad thing. This class is a good way to figure out if you guys are compatible. Uh, we, we've been with uh, blended family issues for, with Evergreen for about eight years. We have, uh, well, here, I'll, tell, I'll let Brenda tell you. Mark and I have four children. Um, I have a daughter and a son, Erica and Josh, and um, Mark has two boys, Nick and Chad. We have two 21-year-olds and two 18-year-olds. I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> Not two sets of twins. <laughs> and we uh, deal with, uh, we're mentor couples. Uh, we're uh, on the panel here, and we've had, uh, for eight years, we've been uh, um, small group leaders for blended families. And just like Jeff said, there's a lot of unique issues that happen with blended families. And um, it's uh, really a good support group. And we have uh, we still have contact with many couples from eight years ago. So it's it's not just an overnight thing. It's uh, really a bonding thing. And we, we learn every time we meet with a couple, we learn things from them too. So thanks. Hi, I'm Nathan Odegaard. This is my wife, 
Tara, the one most of you have been emailing with <clears throat> the last couple weeks. Uh, Tara and I have been married for eight and a half years, and we've been going to Evergreen since 2002. Um, Tara is a speech pathologist and works just two days a week, and, uh, and I work at a wealth management practice here in Bloomington. And uh, we have two girls. One is Vesper. She's about two and a half. And uh, Savia, who is just over one years old. Uh, Tara and I will be one of your primary teachers. You'll see us and Jeff kind of going back and forth. Um, so I promise not to wear any more fuchsia colored shirts. <laughs> and um, I think we'll have a good time. Do you want to say anything? Um, we we also went through. We didn't get to go through Fit to Be Tag, so we weren't a part of Evergreen uh, before we got married. But um, we did go through a pre-marriage book or whatever with our pastor at the time, and it just it was so beneficial for us. We you know person that I thought I knew so well, I learned a lot more things about during that time. It just draws out questions and and things to talk about that maybe you haven't thought of. So um, I encourage you to continue on in the class, and hopefully it'll be a great benefit to you guys. I'm Terry Shelgoff, and I'm alone tonight because my husband's sick. Um, but uh, John is my husband, and um, I guess we are part of the panel, um, the newlyweds part, but we've been married for six years as of two weeks from today. <laughs> so, um, but we have a lot of fun with it, and um, we're also mentor couples. Um, we have a large passion for um, God-centered marriages and seeing people just thrive in marriage. So uh, we have three little girls. We have a four-year-old, Sayla, a three-year-old, Avery, and a two-year-old, Noel, and we have a little blessing coming in May, who's either a boy or a girl. It'll be Lydia or Hudson. Um, that's about it. Okay. And uh, Terry's husband is John. John's one of our co-pastors here. He's uh, non-salaried, but he, uh, he pastors with us alongside. Okay, here's a chance for you guys to introduce yourselves to all of us. Um, and this won't be taped. Don't worry about this. So we'll cut this out. But feel free to uh, share with us. It's written down in your manual there. Your names, the location that you attend, and how long you've been there. When and where you met. Are you seriously dating or engaged? And do you have a wedding date set? And this is what I'm going to suggest to you. In the future, when you come here, try and sit based on location. I think we only have one rock couple here, you guys. So maybe we can join you up with somebody else. But try and sit by a location because what you'll find is because you're going through this season of life, you'll see each other in the hall. And it's kind of fun to go through this because this season doesn't end. If you guys end up moving towards marriage, you end up having kids about two and a half years later. Then you have another kid about four and a half years later, Lord willing. I mean, but it just kind of goes, and you get, get to kind of grow up together. And it's been sweet to see some relationships just kind of blossom out of this. So try and sit maybe according to location. And uh, Lewis, do you mind you guys going first? I'm going to have just the guys talk. And uh, it just shortens it a bit. 
And gals, if uh, if you need to fill something, go ahead. But guys, why don't you just talk? Why don't we have you uh, just try and fill out as much as this as you can? All right. Um, I'm Louis Camacho. This is Anna Stanley. We go to Evergreen in Lakeville. I've been there for one year and two months. Seven. Seven years. <laughs> um, we met at a birthday party in 2006. We've been seriously dating for three months. We're planning on getting married September 4th of this year. But we've known each other for, we've been good friends for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> we've known each other a while. Yeah. About three years. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. You have to speak for yourself, Katie. Okay. Um, I'm Katie Apple, and I'm working for her now. We attend this location. I've been coming for a year and a half, two years, and I brought him a year ago. And we met online, actually, and then our first date was in at Cami in Apple Valley, and then so we've been dating about a year and four months. We got engaged three weeks ago. Oh, oh wow, congratulations. <laughs> the day before he left and on my birthday, so it's been fun for me. So, and wedding will probably be July of 2011, so a year and a half away. Could you remind me, where did you say he went? This location. No, him. Oh. You said he left three weeks ago. To go to Florida for his job. So is he coming back? Yeah. When? Hopefully next week. Oh, okay. All right. We should hopefully be back like 2 o'clock on next Wednesday. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks. Yeah. Ken? I'm Ken Moe. This is Shelly Sampson. I've been going to Evergreen about 20 years. Uh, Shelly, about five. Um, we uh, both attend this location. Um, we've been in small groups and things for about four years, almost five years together, so we've known each other for a while. We've just been seriously dating for the last three or four months, so um, not engaged, just kind of checking out the checking out the possibility at this point. So, a class to, to learn a little bit more about each other before we continue on. Thank you, Ken. Excellent. Uh, my name is Ryan Johnson. Uh, my fiance is Aaron Schroeder. Um, Aaron's been attending, I believe, for roughly 10 years. Uh, I've been attending with her for roughly seven. Uh, we met in high school. Well, we actually met at church camp back when we were in middle school, but I didn't really notice her a whole lot. <laughs> uh, we started dating my junior year of high school. Um, we got engaged on October 9th of last uh, uh, 2009 and we're planning on getting married October 9th of 2010. Excellent, thank you. What location are you guys from? Oh, I'm sorry, we're the Bloomington. You know, I'm actually I'm going to suggest that you, with your name tag, you just underneath your last name, write the location. We should probably do that in the future or, or the top right or someplace, put a BL or a rock and that way you'll know what location you're from and what location others are from. So just someplace on that name tag, that'll help. We'll, we'll try and maybe remember to do that in the future. Yeah. Nick? I'm Nick Dornsite. This is Emily Breyer. Uh, we attend Lakeville. We've been attending for two months. We kind of started the first of the year. Uh, we just got engaged shortly before that and decided we want to take a journey to Christianity together because we come from two different backgrounds. Uh, we met on a social network or kind of online type about two years ago. Uh, we are engaged and our wedding date is September 18th of this year. Okay. 
Okay, thanks. Sarah? Okay. My name is Sarah Folks, um, and my boyfriend is Lucas Raby. He is currently in Ireland, flew out earlier this week for business, so he will be gone for two weeks. Um, hopefully no more than that, but it could be extended. Um, we met online as well. Uh, we've been seriously dating for about six months. Um, he's been attending The Rock for over ten years. Um, I've been attending for about the past eight months or so. Okay. Yeah. Which which online group? Uh, Match. Which one? Yahoo Personals. It's called PlentyOfFish.com. PlentyOfFish.com. It's a free one. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. All right. Patty. Oh, I'm sorry. Dan. I know Patty. I don't know Dan. Patty Pope. We met online. E Harming, so this is going to come Okay. We just both got on and tried it for a short time. We actually went on our first date in Apple Valley at uh, Applebee's. Um, we just got engaged this last Valentine's Day. Good for you. We're set to get married August 21st, 2010. Um, she's been attending Lakeview um, 17 years, going to church. I live in Duluth, so I drive down. We're either attending her church or mine. In Duluth, I go to Hermitown Community Church, and it's uh, oh. in Duluth area. Sure, or sure. Other back and forth traveling. I travel for work, um, so I'll be on and off here, and I'm going to be doing tapes or okay. the days I have to miss because of work. Okay. I'm doing on the road, but uh, what else do you have to say? Is that it? That's it. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. My name is John Schlemmer, and this is my fiancée, Jessica Kukla. Uh We met back in August of 2004 downtown. We were in college. And um, let's see here. We've been coming to Evergreen probably... About six months after that, we first started coming here, but we've been members for almost two years. Um, we are planning getting married August 7th. And we both go here, this location. That's it. Okay. Thanks, John. My name is Tom Schlunt, and this is my serious girlfriend, Rebecca. Head away. <laughs> Becky's been a member for about 11 years. Uh, I dibble and dabble back at the old Bloomington location, but I've been going solid here for the last six months. Okay. Um, and uh, we both, we met through a mutual friend 12 years ago. And I like this word foundation, because I feel like we have a good foundation of friendship, and we're just going to see where this takes us. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Jared? I'm Jared Marcus. This is my fiance, Paris Morn. Um, I've been coming to this location for seven months. She's been here. She's been attending Evergreen for about three years and then here what, year and a half, the last year and a half. Um, we met July 19th at my, it's kind of us, her, her oldest child's friend, daycare friend, um, they're in Utah. I'm friends yeah. with their mom, and it was a birthday party. 
and his cousin is dating the other mom, so it's kind of, we got set up. Okay. <laughs> okay. In a good way, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and we're getting married May 25th. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Well, thanks, gang. Glad to have you guys. As of, I think, a week ago, we had six couples. Now we have 11 couples. So you guys kind of came out of the woodwork. It's nice to see you. Glad you came. Really glad you came. Um, teachers, I've got about 10 minutes more of uh, uh, sharing on stuff. And then we're going to break into many groups of two, uh, of two couples each. And then you can leave then if you want. So. Okay, why don't you grab your books. We have a book that we recommend called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts by Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott. We're not going to talk about this book again except today. So I'm going to read a little something from it. This is something for you to read. We think it's a, it's a good introduction, kind of a good preparation for marriage. There's another book called Love for a Lifetime by Dr. Dobson, which has folks who have been married for 50 years weighing in. And that's a good book for finishing strong. But this is a good book for starting strong. So feel free to read through it on your own uh, when it works for you. I, I think you'll really enjoy it. Let's, uh, I guess we're on page 14. I'm going to read page 14 and a little bit from the top of 15. It says, For better or worse, let's be honest, the till death do us part statement of the marriage vow rings increasingly ironic in the 1930s, one out of seven marriages ended in divorce. In the 1960s, it was one out of four. Of the 2.4 million couples who will get married this year in the United States, it's predicted that at least 43% will not survive. Those are of the new marriages. So if you add that to older marriages that are getting divorced, the number is over 50%. Well, let's see. For too many couples, marriage has become till divorce do us part. Every couple marrying today is at risk. More than 200,000 new marriages each year end prior to the couple's second anniversary. That's 10%. 10% of all of the folks who marry divorce in the first two years. After they toss the bouquet and return the tuxedos, Couples often assume they're headed for marital bliss, but a study of those who recently tied the knot revealed that 49% reported having serious mar marital problems. Half were already having doubts about whether their marriages would last. And that was of marriages that were five years old or less. The truth is, most engaged couples prepare more for their wedding the wedding day itself, than they do for their marriage. The $50 billion a year wedding industry can testify to that fact. According to experts, the average 200-guest wedding today costs $22,000. More than 1 million copies of bridal magazines are sold each month, focusing mainly on wedding <laughs> ceremonies, honeymoons, home furnishings, but not on the marriage. Looking back, it seems silly that Les and I did so much to prepare for our wedding and so little to prepare for our marriage. But the truth is that less than a fifth of all marriages in America 
are preceded by some kind of formal marriage preparation. You guys are among the few. Only one in five, 20% of folks do what you're doing in some way, shape, or form prior to marriage. Isn't that astounding? One wonders what would be the effect if the same amount of time, energy, and money spent on the ceremony was invested in the marriage. Planning the perfect wedding too often takes precedence over planning a successful marriage. And lack of planning is the ultimate saboteur of marriage. That's enough for now. Um, like I said, you guys have put in about 30 hours here in Fit to be Tied. And you guys have done lots of other things to get to know each other and to develop your relationship, and that's good. But this is an investment, and I'm so proud of you for being willing to do it. It's not easy coming on a Wednesday <clears throat> when you have other things going on. And then the homework, every week you're going to have to set aside a night or two to get the homework done. And it's hard work. But I want to encourage you to try and make it happen because that homework does such a great job of getting you to talk. We'll introduce questions that might be awkward to share just the two of you, but this is kind of a third party bringing it in. So maybe something you hadn't even thought about, you'll get a chance to talk about together. Just get to know each other better. Uh, Dobson used to say, and I believe this with, with all my heart, you go into your marriage with your eyes wide open. You get to know this person as best you can before you get married. And once you're married, you close one of your eyes because there are parts about this person that are ugly or difficult or maybe not exactly what you expected. They just happen because we all have our, you know, our good, bad, and ugly parts. We really do. And, uh, and once you're married and living together and sharing life together, some of that stuff shows itself in ways you just didn't see it before. So you need to close one eye. Okay, take a look at your, uh, <clears throat> your manual. I think we're on page two. And I want to ask you guys, what's your target? If we had a target, and I, I like stringing up my bow and firing arrows, but if we had a target here, What's your target? Think about it. What's your goal? Go ahead and throw out some thoughts. What's your goal in marriage? Glorify God. Okay. We'll say glorify God. Love it. Other ideas? Be happy. Be happy. Good one. What else? Communication. Communicate. Okay, I agree. Disciple other couples. Okay, disciple others. All right. Yeah, Dan. I always make love a decision because some days you're not going to feel like loving like somebody else. Love. As a decision, not a feeling, I think you're saying. Yeah. Not a feeling. Good. 
Paris? Joy. Joy. All right, joy is at the center. Okay, none of those are wrong, but I want to throw out something maybe a little bit simpler. Um, on the outside of this, let's just fill in that box. Outside of this target is divorced. Okay, let's say you're firing an arrow. Nobody wants to land here, do they? Does anybody want to, anybody in this room want to miss this target and land here? Okay, so you, you all know, all of you, you don't want to land in divorce territory. But so many do. So many marriages land in divorce. Okay, we're not aiming for that. We're all clear on that. Okay, we want to go beyond this. This is what I'm going to call cellmates. Cellmates. Cellmates are stuck together. They don't like each other. But they have shared bank accounts. Maybe they have kids. Maybe they've got a roof over their heads and they just can't afford to pay for two. So they sleep in separate rooms. They're living together. But they're doing separate things. They're... They're cellmates. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to be cellmates, but too many existing marriages land in cellmate territory. That's not our goal, right? Okay. Then we've got roommates. <clears throat> roommates get along. They share expenses. Uh... They enjoy doing some things together, but basically they have independent lives. Maybe they have kids together, and maybe they share things, and it's an amicable relationship. But, you know, the, the spark that maybe was there before they were married doesn't seem to be there anymore. They're roommates. Is that our goal? Does anybody want that? Oh, no. We don't want that. We want something far better than that. We want what I'm just going to say is soulmates. All of us, all of you, you're looking at each other and saying, that's our goal. We want to be soulmates together. How are you going to get there? How will you two become soulmates? And that's partly why I think this class can help, because our goal is to help you ask those questions, look into each other's eyes and say, how do we get there? What do we need to let go of? What do we need to fight for to become soulmates, not for a day or a week, but for a lifetime? So I'd like to break into groups uh, and this might be a time where you can move around and find Lakeville folks, Bloomington folks. Actually, why don't, we, uh, why don't we just have a little show of hands because I know The Rock is alone. I'd like to connect them with somebody. And then we'll break into groups of about two couples each. And I want you to try and answer this question. What makes two people soulmates? How do you get there? So uh, how, where are Bloomington couples? Why don't you guys raise your hand? Okay, well, why don't we have you two together, and you two together, and you mind hanging out with Katie here? Okay, and then Lakeville? 
Okay. Why don't we have U2 and then U3? That work. We're going to take a 10-minute break here. If you need to go to the bathroom, it's down the hall, about five or six doors and to your right. Feel free to grab some waters, and then we'll continue and uh, try and spend a little time on this question. We'll continue uh, maybe a little bit after a quarter of eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. The recording is not done. But we're back together and we'll continue. <laughs> All right. So, Terry, Terry, is it running now? Okay. Thank you. All right. I'm a. Uh, I'm going to share with you, Sue and I will be sharing together a couple of times uh, later on, and she's going to share a lot more about her own story, kind of her personal story, uh, during week six. Um, but I'll just introduce a little bit about my life before I ask Christ into my heart, and a little bit after that. And it has to do with what makes us soulmates. Sue and I are soulmates. I call her my heartbeat. She calls me her miracle, kind of goofy, but that's what she says. Um, and uh, we, uh, we're fast friends, and we love to hold each other, love to be together. I love calling her on the phone and talking with her. Our love has not gotten stale, and we have not fallen apart. And that takes hard work, but it has to do with what our marriage is based on. Um, I came out of a, a pretty solid Christian home, but I went through a lot of the motions, kind of went to church on Sunday, honestly. My folks were very moral, moral folks, paid their taxes, very honest, good, hardworking folks, decent people, good parents. Um, but I, uh, in my middle, middle teens, I, I began struggling with pornography. That kind of got a hold of my heart and destroyed a lot of my relationships. And uh, then I kind of got out of Dodge. I was living in Marshall, Minnesota, and I went to Madrid, Spain for a year. Uh, I did my first year of college in Madrid. Learned my Spanish there, really. I had a little bit before that. But it was while I was in Spain that I realized I was completely alone, and I pulled out a Bible my mom gave me when I was 17, and I started reading it. It was English. didn't have a lot of English, so I read it. And uh, I came to a part where it said, why worry about your life as to what you'll eat or drink or about your body as to what you'll wear? Because all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. But you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There are parts there that says, uh, don't worry about your, what you wear. King Solomon, all his glory, couldn't array himself like the flowers of the field. And, I just remember feeling so small and insignificant and alone. And it was in a garden in the heart of Madrid that I said, all right, Lord Jesus, you're in charge. I give you the steering wheel in my life. Uh, I submit. I need your help. And that was the beginning, really the beginning of my spiritual pilgrimage. But I still struggled with pornography. I, uh, there were 
dark closets of my life that God, I didn't let God hold on to. Um, it wasn't until I came to Evergreen, I got baptized, and I really started obeying and spending time with God daily, reading and praying, that a lot of those areas, call them strongholds of my life, started uh, gaining less control over me and, and, and affecting my relationships. Uh, Sue came out of an abusive alcoholic home. And um, she'd sometimes have to pick her clothes in the morning to cover bruises that she had from her dad. Um, she uh, made a decision for the Lord after a house fire. Her house burned down. And uh, went to Catholic Mass and to a church at the same time to please her parents and also to just to really kind of seek God because this is a church where she kind of found God. And um, started growing, still struggled with lots of different things. Um, she had a season of immorality when she lived in California, and she'll tell you about some of that herself. And then she came back, and we're both attending Evergreen. And we've got our struggles. We've got all sorts of things that we've failed in and struggled in, uh, lots of things we've done wrong. And uh, there are a lot of reasons why when we ended up getting married, we should have a bad marriage. A lot of selfishness that I experienced. Uh, a lot of, um, I don't know, what would you call it? A lack of confidence, fears, anxieties. Sue grew up in an abusive alcoholic home. Didn't know if she wanted to have anything to do with kids. Fearful of parenting because her only experience of parenting was kind of a bad experience. Lots of struggles, both of us. How is it possible for two such broken, needy people to have a great marriage? How is it possible? We're not great people. Um, what makes two people soulmates? Uh, Sue was born and raised in Bloomington. She went to this school as a grade school student. She probably had a class in this room when she was f fourth grade or fifth grade or something like that. I moved 29 times in the first 29 years of my life. I lived in San Francisco, Kenya, Ohio, Iowa, L.A., uh, Minnesota, Michigan. You know, they're just totally different worldviews in some ways. We didn't have a lot in common. What makes two people soulmates? Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 says this. It's in your book. It says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Two becoming one. I think it's a mystery. And if you can experience that mystery, if you can understand what that mystery is all about, you can become soulmates. What is that? Number one online 
online Christian dating organizations, probably probably eHarmony, there's Match.com, there are lots of them out there, lots of ways to meet each other. And what do they claim is the key to a successful marriage? Compatibility. Personalities. That's what they say is the key to a great marriage. But they're wrong. I think there are, there are four dimensions to a human being. The first dimension, the first dimension is physical. These are all significant, and these are part of what can make two into one. There's the emotional. There's the intellectual. Anybody have an idea what the fourth one might be? The spiritual. There's the spiritual element. And I'll tell you, often it's the spiritual dimension that gets relegated to an optional compatibility. You have all these other compatibilities, and then one of those 29 is your faith. Your spiritual dimension is not simply an element of compatibility. It is the foundation for a great marriage, and that's one of your fill-ins. Your spiritual dimension is the foundation for a great marriage. It's my belief that you cannot be soulmates if you are not both committed Christians. And I want to read a little something from Christianity Today. This is from... uh, I think it's August or September of 09, so it's about five months old. It says, it says here, it's, it's, about, it's called The Case for Marriage. It says, there is no right answer to such questions about common interests and so on because successful marriages are less about right personalities than about right practices. And what I'll, I'll put into that word practices is the right foundation. I'll get to this. Like persistent communication, conflict resolution, along with the ability to handle the cyclical nature of so much about marriage, and a bedrock commitment to marriage's sacred unity. Indeed, marriage research confirms that couples who view their marriage as sacred covenants are far better off than those who don't. Bottom line for this particular article is it isn't about personalities so much as practices or how you live your life. It's not about meeting the right person. It's about living right together. And what's the foundation for your life? What's your life based on? What's the foundation for your life? Second uh, Corinthians six fourteen and fifteen says, "Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God." Psalm one twenty seven says, "Unless the Lord builds a house." Its builders labor in vain. 
of the four dimensions of a relationship, only the spiritual includes individual commitments to the great commandment of loving others, of loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others. Only the spiritual dimension includes the great commission of going and sharing your life with others. And if you have those commitments together, those, that commitment to the Bible, the commitment to honoring God together, then you're going in the same direction. And both of you are constantly working at saying, all right, God, how can I honor you with my life? How can I honor you with my life? If you don't have God at the center of your life, it's just very easy to go in separate directions. That's why your foundation is so important. Is your foundation individually and as a couple based on God's words and Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then there's this passage, and I really like this, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Jesus is talking to a crowd of people. He's just done his Sermon on the Mount. He's shared some amazing things over the course of three chapters, including the Beatitudes. And he says this in the very end of his Sermon on the Mount. He says, Hey guys, everybody, there are 5,000 people there. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it was like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain, rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a mighty, mighty crash. I want you to notice that it says in verse 25 there, the rain came down and the winds blew. It doesn't say if. Storms will happen. They will happen in your life. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And how hard will they be? You just can't predict them. You don't know what's coming down two years from now, five years from now. It's possible that you two might not be able to have kids. That's a storm. That's a tough storm. Some people can't endure that. How are you going to be able to withstand that? Uh, just uh, yesterday, uh, a young lady died. Uh, she was 33 years old. Um, I held her father, named Franklin, as he wept uncontrollably. Now, he's older, but how will you endure a child dying of yours? A lot of marriages don't. 80% of all marriages fail when a child of theirs dies. That's a storm. They're hard. What's your foundation when you face those storms? What keeps you together? So I think this is probably the number one question you guys need to ask each other. What's your foundation? Do you want a great marriage that goes the distance? I think the most important factor 
for you to have a successful marriage, to become soulmates, is that you've both committed your lives to Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And this is a big deal. And this is a very significant deal for some of you. I don't know where you're at in your faith walk. I don't know what your church background is like. I don't know what your spiritual experience has been. But are you at a place where you can say for certain that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and He's in charge? That He's the one calling the shots and not you? Because if you're calling the shots, then you make up your own rules. And you may be a very decent person, but when those storms hit, if you're making up your own rules, what's to keep you from doing this or that or the other thing? If you're committed to Jesus Christ and to the Bible and in some ways to the church, then there's support here, there's encouragement, there's help along the journey. There's accountability. There's certain boundaries you lose some freedoms in some ways, but you gain what? You gain a sense of confidence because God's with you. He really is. Um, take a look at that passage. I think it's on there. I'm not sure. Is First John 5.13, does it show up there? Okay. It says, I write these things to you. Believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, that's certainty. You can be certain that your name is written in the book of life and if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. You can be certain. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to say, well, maybe I will if I've done the right things. There's another passage in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift, not by works so that no one can boast. So you literally have to receive this gift of salvation. You can't earn it. It's offered to you. And you just say, yes, I'll take it. We have a lot of passages in the next three pages. I'd encourage you guys to look over if you have any questions. But I want to finish with this one passage, Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. This is the foundation, because this is where you say, yes, I'm committed, and Jesus Christ is my Lord. And if your foundation is in Christ, He will never leave you. You have a solid rock when you face storms in life. And honestly, Sue and I, have faced some storms. She had a neck injury, a neck rupture, uh, and she had to have an anterior entrance and she had to put plates in her neck. And there were three months where she couldn't do anything, couldn't do anything. Those are hard times in a marriage. Wondering if she's going to face some kind of paralysis because she had a number of things going on. Well, I'm committed to her for life. I'm not committed to her only if she's healthy only if things are going well. And, uh, and being soulmates isn't always easy and it's not always fun. But it's really a commitment before the Lord. I'm making a commitment to the Lord at that altar 
when we got married, I was saying, God, you're in charge. And I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve her for the rest of my life. Too many marriages face irreconcilable differences over relatively small things. Money, sex, parenting, those are small things. They seem big, they get blown up sometimes. But boy, as you're trying to serve the Lord with your life, those become small things. And serving God with this person is a much bigger thing, a lifelong thing. Okay, so I'll just reiterate. It's my belief and my experience that you cannot be soulmates if you don't both have a, the same rock-solid foundation as Christians. And this is where you're spiritually compatible. And it's the spiritual compatibility or the spiritual oneness that allows you to be soulmates. If you're not spiritually united, you can't be soulmates. Okay, well, that's, that's pretty much what I have. We're done a little bit early. There's, there's more material in this book. If you'll notice, I think uh, after these passages, biblical passages, there's a, uh, uh, a sheet that's called a, a Call to Second Virginity. This was given to us uh, six months ago by Ken and Nancy. Ken and Nancy kind of led a fit-to-be-tied class like this in West Virginia for a number of years before they moved out here. So they got a lot of experience in this. They gave this to me, and I photocopied it for you. Some of you may be living together, or you may be sexually active. So the whole notion of, I'm not supposed to do that. Where do I go from here? What do I do at this point? can be very challenging to you. But I want to encourage you. Our God is a God of second chances. And if you can pursue what I'll call a second virginity, God will bless you. There is so much power in separating and abstaining until you get married. I can't tell you how powerful it is in developing trust and respect and a, a greater sense of love for each other. It's not always convenient. Uh, uh, it's, it usually costs more money. But your marriage is a marriage for life, not for two years. And if you have to spend a little bit more money for four months or six months, or if you have to say no to yourself, it's worth it. Now, I'll just share a couple of uh, quick thoughts. Uh, the, my, again, my experience. If you can't live within certain boundaries now where it's clear that what you're doing if you're sexually active or living together. If you're doing that now, that's clearly wrong. God cannot approve that. He can't stamp that and say, good job, I approve, I bless. He can't do that. But if you separate and abstain, you're pleasing God. And, and, and if you can live within those kinds of clear boundaries now before you're married, it's easier to trust each other that you're living within certain boundaries after you're married. If, however, you can't live within boundaries before you're married, it's very difficult to live within those boundaries afterwards. I'm just telling you the truth. That's my experience. And, and I tell you, our, our culture shows that, honestly. 
And I know in all of your cases, your goal is to be a soulmate for 50 years. And sometimes that takes hard work and a willingness to not necessarily do it your way. I don't want you to do it Jeff's way, but I really want you to do it God's way, and I'm trying to share that with you. If you have questions, I'd love to meet with you, talk with you. I know the other pastors would too. I also know that if you can't afford to live separately, uh, there are a lot of saints like the Leonards, and they'll st share their story. They lived together before they came to this class. They separated and abstained, and it was hard. But what a blessing and what a, what a bright witness they were to their community because their neighbors even said, so you guys are apart, huh? how's it going? Are you having fun? <laughs> they laugh, but they got a chance to share their faith with them and say, we're doing it because we believe that's what we're supposed to do to honor God. And it, it was remarkable the effect that they had on others. Now, you don't do it just for others, but I think there's just a blessing when you, when you honor the Lord. They would love to take in somebody. We have a spare room in our basement. It's not beautiful. If you need a place, only girls, because I've got three girls. You want to stay someplace at no charge till you get married, you can stay with us. We want to help. Maybe you've got a better option, a brother or sister, mom, dad, something like that. But I want you to know it's worth it. It's not easy, but it's worth it. So... Uh, feel free to call me or any of your local pastors. And uh, you've got two sets of homework. Um, usually we have two sets. We do that because one kind of hits one way, one hits another. This first one called Two Souls, One Flesh. And this kind of gives you a chance to share a little bit of your spiritual history with each other, where you came from, what it was like, the differences between your mom and dad, and then laying a foundation for lasting marriage. Again, this is kind of from Dobson. It comes from the perspective of having a 50-year marriage. This material comes out of his book, Love for a Lifetime. Uh, why don't we end in a prayer and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week. God, we praise you for this night together. We praise you for the privilege of kind of listening to you. God, speak to us. Grow us. This whole issue of having a common foundation is a big deal. I pray, God, for each couple as they wrestle through what their foundation is, what they're basing their life on and their future together. And God, I pray for your blessing on them and I pray for growth this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Do we need to write questions on or just discuss them? The questions are for you guys to keep. The only time you have to